Well, I've got a couple of names here that are wonderful for Christmas morning. Gifts to unwrap. I wonder if you can see them. Matthew 1, verse 21, she'll give birth to a son and you're to give him the name Jesus because he'll save his people from their sins. Matthew 1, 23, the virgin will conceive and give birth to a son and they'll call him Emmanuel, which means God with us. Father God, in these few moments here today, this lunchtime, please illumine our hearts and minds by your spirit so we really do leave here amazed at what you have done and full of joy. Amen. I didn't come from a religious family at all, so I can't believe I'm a vicar now. My dad was much more see Andy Christmas and Easter, not see of a Church of England. I think I had a number of views of the Christian faith which would have been shared by my family. The first was that it was boring. So when I did go to church, I just used to sit in church and count the bricks up the wall, which is why we don't have bricks in here. Secondly, it wasn't just boring, it was irrelevant. I couldn't see what relevance the Christian faith had to me. So I liked rugby as a little boy and I spent my time in scripture lessons looking for relevance. So I'd leaf through the Bible looking for references to rugby. I found a number I was pleased with. One to referees in John 9 verse 1, I knew a man blind from birth. Another one to foul play in Acts 20 verse 24, it's better to give than receive, and, and, and on it went. I, I, just, I just thought it was irrelevant. Once in Royal David City stood a, a lowly cattle shed, what's that got to do with me? I mean, this book seemed to have been written 2,000 miles away 2,000 years ago. I, I couldn't see the relevance. The next problem was I didn't think it was true. So Jesus walking on the water, the three wise men, Winnie the Pooh and the great Limpopo River were all wrapped up together. In assemblies at school sometimes, we used to sing and did those feet in ancient times walk upon England's pastures green. No, he never came to England as far as I could work out. (laughs) Just didn't seem to be true. And then the next issue were the clergy I met. I can't believe I am one now. They were all so wet. They seemed to be like Rowan Atkins in Four Weddings and a Funeral. And I spent my time trying not to be wet, so I spent my time doing things like this. (laughs) Ow. And I didn't know many clergy who could do this. I'm sure you've seen these before. These are crushable cans. So I've got the most beaten up car in central London, a Ford Fiesta 1.1. I drive along Portland Place. I stop at the lights. Someone comes alongside very in in a Porsche with someone very, very glamorous next to them. And they look disparagingly across at me in my car. I cross this on my head. And as we drive off, I've won. So this saves me about 100,000 quid, this does. Ladies and gentlemen, it is easy to deceive people. And as I saw the Christian faith as boring, irrelevant and untrue, I was deceived. And there are a couple of things that make it incredibly precious to me this Christmas, vicar or not. The first is this. On the 6th of August, 1982, this was the first thing that woke me up to any need of Christian faith. My godfather was killed in a cliff fall. He uh, had a little yacht. He was sailing, he moored at a small island, he tried to climb over a tree, he had boat shoes on with no grip, he slipped and he fell. It was the first time I'd ever seen my father cry. I'd never seen him cry before. And what I learned then is that death severs loving relationships. It's an agonising thing. And as I come to Christmas, I'm mindful of that. I got through puberty at 38, I got married at 40, I had my first child at 42, and my mum died when I was 44. She met Peter, but she's never met my other two kids. And every Christmas I sit there and I think of how she'd have loved them, and I miss her so much. It severs loving relationships. 
That was the first problem I got. I've got a funeral card here of my best mate from university, and I'll be ringing his mum Christmas Day. I ring her Christmas Day, and it's agony for her. That's the first thing. The second thing that happened was after my godfather was killed, my godmother opened up his wallet, and she found a list of mistress's addresses. She was so devastated by this that she decided there'd be no funeral. So then we had a death, and we had no funeral, and we had adultery. And it's not great for family life and for Christmas. Sort of relationships get severed a bit too. And that was agony as well. And at that stage, I found it wasn't just my godfather who lived a double life. I'd been keeping this diary because I thought I was such a great guy, age 15. I owed it to the world to record my life. So here it is. And I found out I was a total burke. It was an amazing experience. (laughs) So in my diary, I'd write, wouldn't it be great if there was world peace? But I'd never lay aside the weapons of malice and sarcasm I used in my own self-defense. In my diary, I'd say, wouldn't it be wonderful if the starving were fed? But I'd ask my parents for a larger allowance. And as you can see, I would eat it. Years later, I read Paul the Apostle in the Bible talk about his own life. He said, I don't do the good I want to do. No, the evil I don't want to do, this I keep on doing. And I realized that there's a problem. There's a gap between the real and the ideal. So here's my favorite autobiography, Lance Armstrong, the cyclist. It's not about the bike. And we now know that's true. It wasn't about the bike. My favourite is the Australian Lending Library that after the drug scandal broke, moved this book from biography to fiction. (laughs) So there I was, I'm 16 years old, I don't have Christian faith, but I've got two issues. The death of my godfather, my own diary, its selfishness, and indeed, my godfather's life itself, which had led to so much pain and no funeral. So what was I to do with these two things? Well, at that stage, I didn't think the Christian faith was the answer, but I'd begun to go to a little voluntary communion service there was at my school with the local girls' school. And I only went because there was a very pretty girl called Emma Young, and she used to go, and I used to like watching her walk up and down the aisle to communion. I don't think she realises she's the reason I'm now ordained. Anyway, there you have it. (laughs) But something was said to me then that was the most important thing said to me in 10 years at school. The the, the guy speaking at the front said one time, who is this man who in the Sermon on the Mount says, love your enemies, pray for those who persecute you, and then, as he's being judicially murdered, cries out for his killers, Father, forgive them, they don't know what they're doing. And I was amazed, because I knew there was no correlation between life and lip in my diary, but in the life of Jesus, he says, love your enemies, as he's being murdered, he does it. And I then went to a very small little Christian group run by a maths teacher. And as I went, it was amazing, ladies and gentlemen, I found that Jesus started to walk off the pages of Scripture. And then I found that he hit head-on the two issues I was facing. Firstly, death. Firstly, death. What I found was, was that he lived and taught, he had a band of followers, he was tried in a Roman and Jewish court, he was sentenced to die, they strung him up on a cross, they put a spear through his side, they took him off the cross, they certified him as dead, and three days later he was walking around again. Now if he got through death himself, he can get me through. As my mum died in Basingstoke Hospital, and I loved her so much, I said to her goodbye, I said I love you, And then I said, I'll see you again. Because if Jesus got through death himself, and I think that's historically checkable, he can get me through. So suddenly what we've got here, you see, is Emmanuel, which means God with us, 
for eternity, ladies and gentlemen. Which means there's hope, there's a day of reunion, because the problem with Christmas is so often the people that really loved us aren't there. It's as though, it's a children's illustration, but it means so much to me. It's as though Jesus is the needle, and by his resurrection, Emmanuel, God with us, he drives through the tapestry, but he pulls us with him if we're trusting in him. Can I tell you, Christmas morning, when I'm missing mum, and I'm seeing my kids there without her, I can't tell you what this means to me. Emmanuel, God with us. I hope it's a comfort to you. It's a great comfort because the Bible says it means that we grieve, but not like those who have no hope. Secondly, I wonder if you can see his other name, Jesus, because he'll save his people from their sins. What I found was this. It's as though here I was, here was my wrongdoing all the time, not just that I'd been cornered by my conscience in my diary, but that I'd slapped God in the face. And then I found that Jesus, as he was born, was given a name that meant that he was going to die. And up on the cross, 33 years later, he was to cry out, Tetelestai, it's finished, I've paid. Ladies and gentlemen, he was born to die, to pay in death and blood for our wrongdoing. I'm sure you know the, 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 the skyline of London, but here's part of it. And I wonder if you can see on the left there, the old Bailey, the home of British justice, and on top is Justicia. She holds the sword in one hand and the scales in the other, and the message is clear. If we're found wanting, the sword of judgment must fall. But just across the skyline is the golden cross of St. Paul's Cathedral, and the message is there, it's clear. God's judgment did fall, but it didn't fall into me for my wrongdoing. It fell into Jesus. Yes, there must be judgment, because how I treat you and how you treat me and how we treat the world matters to God. But amazingly, he says, I'm sending my son to die. He'll live a perfect life, and then Rico, he'll die for you. It's extraordinary. And it's not just vertical. It goes goes horizontal. You see, the issue is, because he's died for me, at Christmas, I need to forgive others just as I've been forgiven, like the courier company, for example. (laughs) It's going to be a wonderful opportunity. The Bible says, bear with each other, forgive whatever grievances you have, and we've got a grievance with them. Forgive as the Lord forgave you. So it means at Christmas, coming out of the cross, there are two phrases we say. And ladies and gentlemen, I don't know how you do Christmas without these phrases. Phrase number one, I'm sorry I was wrong. Christmases get wrecked because we won't say sorry. Phrase number two, that's okay, I forgive you. And again, these phrases come out of the death of Jesus. C.S. Lewis says, we all know forgiveness is a good idea till we have to do it ourselves. But I do it because I've been forgiven so much, I can give away the gift of forgiveness to other people. Oh, ladies and gentlemen, I don't know what you make of that, but I can't do Christmas Day without these two names. I can't do Christmas Day without Emmanuel, God with us, because I'll keep thinking of mum, and I know that she's been dragged through because she trusted in Christ. It's a great comfort. I grieve, but not like those who have no hope. And secondly, I can't do Christmas Day without the cross, knowing I've been forgiven, and therefore I've got to give away the gift of forgiveness to other people. They are wonderful gifts. They're all about the name, Jesus, because he saves those people from their sins. Emmanuel, God with us. It's transformational. It's the most wonderful thing. And of course, ladies and gentlemen, you know what the vicar's going to say at this point. He's going to say, 
please come back and check it out. Come back. We've, we've got these Thursday lunch times. Ali's a super preacher. Come, come, come and check it out in the new year. Don't just put it away with the decorations. We'd love it to be setting your hearts aflame, not just for Christmas Day, but for the years ahead. Let me pray as we close. Oh, Jesus, he'll save his people from their sins. Lord God, please, this Christmas, help us to be saying, I'm sorry I was wrong and that's okay, I forgive you because we've been forgiven so much. And Emmanuel, God with us, help us to know that by the resurrection, you can get us through death and our loved ones through death because your son was raised. And Lord, on Christmas Day, may these two names bring us great joy. Amen.